everyone. Welcome back. It's been a while. Welcome back to another episode of This Is Not History. If you don't already know, my name is Tom DeLaghi and I will be your ho- host. I will be your host. Is that the word? Yeah, I'm hosting the podcast. That's right. I've not done a podcast in a long time. I'm sorry. This is... I'm very out of practice. Apologies for that. Um, but yeah, I hope we're all doing well and we're keeping safe. I've come to realise that a fair chunk of my audience for this podcast are American. They're American listeners. About 20% of my audience, according to my analytics, which I thought was pretty cool. It's nice that I'm able to reach other countries, that what I enjoy is enjoyed in other countries as well. That's always good to hear. Um, I thought, why not do an episode on the origins of American history and then do a scenario based on that. I did initially think about releasing this episode sometime around July, July 4th maybe, Uh, but then I thought that pissing off about 20% of my audience probably isn't a good idea if you want to maintain a successful podcast, so I decided against it. So that's why you're listening to it now. Um, Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is called, What if the colonists lost the American Revolution? Today, it's sometimes hard to imagine a world without the huge amounts of American cultural influences that we see in the West, at least. It can be found everywhere. It can be found from, you know, the clothes that we wear, to the food that we eat, to the films and TV shows that we watch, the music we listen to, um, even to our politics. It really is, for better or for worse, it's everywhere. It's probably not the most original or insightful comment to say that the American Revolution was quite possibly one of the most significant events in all of human history. However, There was a point where the revolution that gave rise to the United States of America could have been crushed. Had the Americans not been aided by Britain's enemies in their war effort, it's quite hard to imagine a realistic scenario where they could have come out on top like they did in our timeline. So that's what we're going to try and do today. We're going to try and imagine an alternate timeline where the USA is never born. But first, as you will know if you are a seasoned listener of this podcast... Before we can listen to this alternate history, we have to take a look at the real history. So, here's some historical context. European colonisation of the American continent had been ongoing for centuries by the time of the mid-1700s. Control of North America had basically fallen to the British on the east coast, the French in the north and much of the centre of the continent, and the Spanish in the west. In 1756, the Seven Years' War broke out between Britain and France and their respective allies. Um... For our American listeners, this is what you call the French and Indian War. But yeah, it lasted, surprise, surprise, for seven years. And having to massively oversimplify the conflict due to time reasons, 
um, the British won. At the peace conference at the end of the war, France was forced to cede all of its territory in North America to the Brits. This included everything east of the Mississippi River and Canada, which was basically just Quebec at the time. This was, on paper, brilliant for Britain. They'd gained huge amounts of territory and been able to kick their main colonial rival out of the continent. So that's always good. But fighting this war against the French had been really costly and had put them in huge amounts of debt. Debt which they thought could be repaid by British subjects in the 13 colonies. From the British perspective, this seemed pretty fair, as much of the war had been fought to protect, quote-unquote, their subjects in the colonies from the French. However, the colonists saw this differently. Previously, they'd been allowed to govern themselves with relative autonomy in a practice that was known as salutary neglect, which made the British raising of taxes on goods such as tea and sugar seem unfair because they didn't have any representation in the British Parliament, so they had no say in the goings-on of politics. So this essentially was the beginning of... Uh, increased tensions in the colonies. Anti-British sentiment grew as a result as taxes were placed on goods without their parliamentary representation. In many cases this led to the British cracking down on the Americans. In one instance where this happened, which is now famous, British soldiers opened fire on a civilian crowd, killing five colonists in what's now known as the Boston Massacre. Open acts of disobedience were now being carried out against the British, Goods were boycotted, and in an event known as the Boston Tea Party, colonists calling themselves the Sons of Liberty boarded a British ship and threw crates of tea overboard into the harbour. Representatives from 12 of the 13 colonies met in the city of Philadelphia at the First Continental Congress to discuss the issue. After just asking the British to stop, um, they, they didn't, um, they called upon civilian militia to rise up in defiance against the British. By 1775, the colonies were in total and complete revolt against British rule, with battles taking place between British redcoats and the American militia, with famous battles taking place in Lexington and Concord, which actually pushed the British back from their positions to Boston, where they were surrounded and placed under a siege. The next year, in 1776, the Continental Congress raised the stakes and declared their independence from the British crown. By this point, the war had been raging for years now, and despite the initial defeats that Britain faced, they soon began to win battles in places like New York. Because of this, the Americans had to appeal to outside powers for help. They appealed to the French, who they assumed would be all too happy to help them fight their main enemy, but the French chose not to help as they didn't know how much longer the colonists would last, and they didn't want to invest so much money into a cause that may just be lost. This changed, however, with a decisive American victory at the Battle of Saratoga, which convinced the French to join in 1778. Now, this had massive implications. Britain was no longer fighting a ragtag militia group, but one trained, armed, and supplied by their greatest enemy. Not only that, but the Spanish and the Dutch would soon join in against Britain. Jumping forward and oversimplifying a lot of stuff, this lifeline thrown to the Americans kept them fighting in the war and eventually 
led them to comprehensively defeating the British at the Battle of Yorktown in 1781. After this, it became clear to the British Parliament that the war was no longer tenable and they sued for peace. In the peace treaty, Britain recognised the independence of the United States of America and granted them all the land east of the Mississippi River. Okay, so that's the basic historical context. We all know now how the USA began. But what if this didn't happen? If the Americans weren't able to hold out against the British assaults and received little or no aid from the French, there's very little chance that they could have won. What would the rest of the American continent look like? And how would this impact the rest of our world history? Well, it just so happens that you're listening to a podcast that will delve into these questions now. So, let's take a look at the alternate history. This scenario starts off from a pretty recognisable starting point. Like in real life, after years of unrest throughout the colonies, outright rebellion finally breaks out. The Brits still lose battles like Lexington and Concord, but they are soon able to recover from them. What actually happened, as you now know, was that the Americans were able to convince the French to join in the fighting. However, in this alternate timeline, this does not happen. The French, while always keen to get a one-up over the British, were only going to join the war if it appeared that the Americans had a fighting chance, and it was the Battle of Saratoga that changed that. But if they decided that perhaps investing huge sums of money and resources into a cause that gave them little immediate benefit was not the best move, it's likely that they wouldn't have aided the Americans. This means that the colonists, very much left out to dry, would not enjoy the large amount of supplies and troops that the French would provide. It's also likely that without the French, the Spanish and the Dutch don't join in either. So, without the French fleet harassing the Royal Navy and the rebels being aided in French money, facing the British redcoats, the rebels are soon crushed. They aren't able to hold out for as long as in real life without aid, so battles like Yorktown wouldn't even occur. And so, the American Revolution would fail. The Continental Congress would either be arrested and tried for treason or go into exile. The population of the 13 colonies would experience an increased British military presence in their towns and cities, however this would be a temporary measure. It's possible that further down the line, this uprising is known as the American Mutiny, or some other name similar to that effect. But that's all it is, a failed attempt at secession from the British Crown. The immediate ramifications for this in North America would be that Britain manages to maintain its hold over the original 13 colonies, as well as the rest of the territory east of the Mississippi and much of Canada. When I was doing my research for this episode, I always found it the most interesting to look at the demographics at the time of the revolution. And I'd like to take a minute just to discuss how the demographics would have been impacted by this British victory. So as I mentioned previously, much of the territory Britain controlled in Canada was won from the French in the Seven Years' War. Places like Quebec, which were, and still is today, filled with French-speaking Canadians. These French-speaking, yet British subjects didn't join the war with the American colonists. Um, Because of the fact that they were Catholic, the relationship between them and the English-speaking Puritan colonists was never really friendly. 
On top of that, the British didn't enforce any conversion to Protestantism or banning the French language. So they were fairly content to just remain on the sidelines for the American Revolution. Before the Revolution, Quebec had been granted all of the British Midwestern Territory, which was, unfortunately for them, signed away to the USA after their victory. But in this alternate timeline, with the Americans being defeated, this would stay the same, meaning French Catholicism would remain prominent all throughout this territory, with the East Coast remaining a purely Puritan, English-speaking stronghold on the coast. Another group of people we need to be sure to mention in this episode are the Native Americans. Some of you might find it quite, I don't know, strange, I guess, to find out that they were largely supportive of and aided the British war effort. And as a result of the American defeat, they wouldn't be forcibly removed from their homelands as a result of Manifest Destiny. Europeans and natives, they weren't ever really on good terms with one another, but the Europeans would always cooperate if it undermined their imperial rivals. This means that tribes like the Cherokee, the Creek, the Iroquois nations, all of these groups of Native Americans would keep their lands by and large. I'd think that probably in the following years, deals would be struck between them and the British to become incorporated, let's say, into their into the British territory with a level of autonomy. But listen, I, I want to be careful and not try and make it seem that the British were these kindly, benevolent rulers, though, because they weren't. If tribes weren't willing to become incorporated into the British Empire, it's more than likely that they'd be subjugated through force. As the decades pass, I think Britain would look to expand its territory uh, westwards. I think that the Spanish territory in the west would probably get eaten away slowly by British demands. Possibly a Louisiana Purchase style deal would be struck up due to the fact that I don't think the Spanish would want to risk war with Britain um, on its own. And of course, last but not least, we cannot talk about the future of a British North America without discussing the fate of African Americans. At this time, the vast majority of them would still be enslaved, yet to be made free citizens. Around the same time of the Revolutionary War, the Industrial Revolution would be just beginning, with Britain and other European empires transitioning from an agricultural to an industrial society. In short, this meant that the increase in productive capability meant that slavery was becoming a less viable source of income for these countries. This, partnered with activism at home, I think would call into question the morality of the practice of slavery as a whole. So activists in Britain like William Wilberforce and Aluda Criano would still head the abolitionist movement. This would be a gradual process and would most likely cause great amounts of tension in the 13 colonies, especially in the southern colonies. But by the 1830s, like in our timeline, the slave trade and the institution of slavery would be banned throughout all British territories, including the 13 colonies. I think that as decades pass and the revolution, or the uprising as it would probably be known as, um, begin to fade away from um, living memory, this huge amount of colossal, really, amount of British territory would be hugely profitable for the empire. As I mentioned previously, the Industrial Revolution would by this point be in full swing, meaning that all of the resources could be used to fuel this revolution. Urbanisation on the continent would still continue. In regards to natives, 
there would probably be some amount of assimilation into European culture. So you could possibly see the rise of some fairly large cities in the West as well. I think as the years go on and political systems develop, I think that British North America, let's just call it British North America, right? I think that British North America would be something akin to a federal system with regions with relative autonomy within the empire, with representation in local constituent assemblies. However, all of these constituencies would be subordinate, at least at first, to the British Parliament and the Crown. The state of British politics would be massively impacted by the suppression of the American Revolution. Enlightenment-era ideas, while still growing in popularity among British intelligentsia, would not become as relevant in the 18th century as they were in our timeline, I don't think. With neither the American or French revolutions occurring, which we will get back to in a minute, don't worry, I think the ideas and movements that spurred them would be slower to take hold in the population. So let's have a look at the impact on there never being a United States of America on the rest of the world. Now, I always found the history of Oceania and the impact of the American Revolution on that whole region to be really interesting. So let's take a look at that first. Again, quick background history lesson. The loss of the British Empire in North America led them to fund voyages of exploration for new territories for possible settlement. This went hand in hand with the need for a new penal colony for Britain's rising prison population. These voyages led to the, quote, discovery of numerous islands in the Pacific Ocean. But without the loss of America, there's no drive to explore new lands. They just further expand westward and just consolidate in this massive chunk of territory that they've got in North America. Meaning that the famous voyages of James Cook would not happen and therefore lead to the British colonisation of Australia and New Zealand to never occur. In this alternate timeline, Australia and New Zealand never exist as we know them today. Aboriginal Australians and the Maori of New Zealand would not see the settlement of their land by English-speaking colonists. Unfortunately, though, this would not mean that their lands would be free from all colonial occupation. Other Europeans, such as the Dutch, the Portuguese and the French, had ships exploring that area too. So it's probably likely that small trading settlements and ports would pop up along the coastline, and it's likely that they would soon look to expand inland at the expense of the natives' land. Looking back on it, it's it was highly unlikely that a landmass as large as Australia would be colonised by a single nation, the British were just very lucky in simply being at the right place at the right time. In this timeline, however, the continent would see the presence of multiple European powers. If they chose to go further, the fate of the native population would sadly be similar to that of real life. Genocide and disease would wipe out huge amounts of the populace with few survivors.
I said earlier that the key to this entire scenario was the French. By not aiding the Americans, they weren't able to hold out against British attacks and were eventually defeated. Now, if the consequences of this were big for Britain, they were humongous for the French. They pumped so much money into supporting the Americans that it dried up their treasury and raised the national debt considerably. Not only that, but by aiding rebels um, spouting enlightenment ideals like republicanism, they were in turn spreading an ideology. An ideology which for an autocratic monarchy like the French, this was a threat. So, a weak economy plus the success of an anti-monarchist revolutionary group abroad led to the support for the king of France to dissipate. I think some of you will know where this is going. The French Revolution, probably the most influential event in all of human history, was highly influenced by the American one. However, however, in a world where France was more fiscally responsible, they wouldn't have aided the colonists. Now, that's not to say that I think that the French monarchy would be totally secure, because I don't think they were. There had been growing discontent within the system for years now. But without this sudden downturn in the economy, they could delay the revolution by years, decades maybe. I'm not really one to believe in the great man theory of history. You know, the idea that that the gears of history are turned by single individuals. I don't think so. But it is hard to deny that on certain occasions, individuals being who they are and where they are can change the course of our history. And I think Napoleon Bonaparte was one of those people, right? By using the French Revolution as an opportunity to seize control of the country in a coup d'etat in 1799, he was able to alter the trajectory of world geopolitics forever. But if no French Revolution occurs, then Napoleon never gets that opportunity. He never gets that opportunity to overthrow the directory and he never becomes emperor of the French. This does several things, as Napoleon influenced global events in a number of ways, but these are the two main ones in my mind. Without the French invasion and occupation of Spain in 1808, their territories in South America, so imagine Mexico, Venezuela, Colombia, all these countries in South America, they wouldn't rise up in rebellion and gain their independence. So the Spanish Empire would still maintain its control on the continent for a while longer, I don't know how long, but it would last much longer than it did in our timeline. That's the first main impact I've, I've managed to sort of come up with. The second one is a bit more, I guess you could say, gut-wrenching. The Holy Roman Empire was invaded by Napoleon in 1806. Um, this collection of hundreds of tiny kingdoms were reorganised and then reincorporated into a collection of 38 territories unified as the Confederation of the Rhine, which was essentially a French puppet state. This reorganisation of German-speaking states speeded up the process considerably of German unification, which eventually occurred later after the defeat of France in the Franco-Prussian War of 1871. This led to Germany existing, essentially, as a nation. Now, the day the German Empire came into existence, it immediately became one of the most powerful and influential nations on Earth. As we move slowly into a 20th century without Germany, the First and Second World Wars 
would not occur the same way that we understand them today. Now, that's not blaming Germany for there being a First and Second World Wars, although you could probably blame them for the second one, but it's hard to deny that without Germany, the wars would not have gone down the way that they did in our timeline. Now, there would probably be some other alternative, massively destructive world conflict of some kind, um, because humans aren't really great at learning from the lessons of history. Um, But these wars would most definitely not have occurred the way that we understand them today. These are the two main impacts of the French Revolution and the Napoleonic Wars, which in turn would not occur without the success of the American Revolution. By looking at these events, you really come to appreciate how history is really just a domino effect, where one event has a knock-on effect on another event, which leads to another event happening, and so on and so forth. Everything we do throughout the history of our lives, and everything that our ancestors did throughout their lives, they all intertwine and create the history of our world. By deconstructing it, it makes you appreciate all the more the gravity of actions taken today. And there we have it, a world in which the United States lost the revolution and never became an independent nation. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you liked this, please do feel free to go and check out some of our other episodes. We've got, I think this is episode five we did just now. But yeah, if you have any suggestions or ideas of what you'd like to hear an episode on, please do get in touch at NotHistoryPod on Twitter. Big thanks as usual to Nick for composing the stings for this episode. The link to his SoundCloud is in the description below. Definitely go check them out. He's brilliant. But yeah, cheers. Thanks for that, Nick. And with that, I'll have to leave you. So again, thank you very, very much for listening and stay safe, everyone.